All right, so we're back with part two of our interview with Ed Mabry. Uh, we talk a little bit of poetry, we get ridiculous, and of course we freestyle. So I hope everybody enjoys this, and remember to poet up. So we get into this world of poetry where you're one of the most decorated uh, individual world poetry slam uh, uh, poets that there is. Can you... <laughs> I almost poetry, said, poetry do you remember poetry. your first slam? Can, <laughs> no, literally, do you remember your first slam? Like, we've had poets come on talk about, like, their first time doing poetry. Do you remember, your, like, the first time you got into slam and or, like, your first poem? Um, poem, no. I remember the first slam. We didn't call them slams. They were a poetry contest. We didn't know slam existed. Um, we thought we invented it in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we thought we invented the idea of a poetry contest. The guy, Todd Tooney, ran Snaps and Taps. Uh, coffee house. It was about as I've, I've been in a hotel room bigger than that whole damn space. It's crazy. Little black box theater on one side, two couches on the other side with some artwork. Uh, the coffee house was literally two burners, like at a waffle house, like the, the heater burners, mm-hmm. and just coffee pots. The tea was the boxes he bought from the grocery store, and he put that shit in cups. He paid five dollars to get in. That was that. Uh, you got ten dollars for first place, five dollars for second place, free admission for third place. Uh, for the next week. Uh, and he's like, yo, we can do a poetry concert. And I was like, no, how do you do it? He's like, read your poems, and the judges will score you. We're like, oh, that's crazy. He's like, I know, right? Literally, never heard of slam. Literally. We're telling about something we work. Yes, this thing, I'm going to read a poem, and they score it out. He's going to pick five people, and they're going to score it. Sometimes it's three people, but they score you zero to ten. You should come check me out. I'm going to do some hot shit. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we had no idea. We had no idea. Uh, this is like around the time Love Jones had dropped uh, and Jill Scott's first album dropped. So you can imagine the poems. Mm. Uh, a couple people that didn't know about Slam, I guess, lived in Cleveland or Cincinnati. They would sneak in because they saw the Saul Williams uh, Slam uh, movie, the indie movie. Mm-hmm. So you have people pass through and they spit. And we think they were amazing. We had no idea. They were just literally doing Saul's Amethyst Rocks from top to bottom doing the whole thing. And I've seen seven sons on seven moons and seven daughters with seven grooms. We're like, oh, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> what is amethyst? I've never heard of it before. <laughs> you know, not top instance. Anyway, yeah, so we did poetry contests. Um, and for uh, the first year, I couldn't win to save my life. I could set myself on fire, I couldn't win. That's why people always talk the whole, you know, used to it, whatever, they don't know where you come from, right? Mm-hmm. All of us are lost. I couldn't win. I got third place so regular, he put my name on the envelope before the contest started. God, <laughs> damn. Oh, it was oh, it was, it was an asshole thing. He looked coming <laughs> like, you know, so how you doing Blue Slam tonight? Or you competing tonight? Jay competing, Jamal competing, Ed? Tell you what, I'll just go ahead and... <laughs> and he would tell me, here, put it in your pocket now, so I don't have to hand it to you later. Like, Fuck you, Todd. I'm winning tonight. Watch, nigga. I got this hot shit. Top five. And I would do whatever poem I did, and they'd be like, in third place. And the whole audience would be like, Ed Mabry. I'd be like, nope, he didn't say it. He'd be like, come on. Like, Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, yeah, so I did that for a whole year, and then I finally won one, and I didn't lose for like a year and a half after that, wherever I went. Then, in the midst of that time frame, somebody showed up one day and was like, yo, you guys seen the Slam movie? We all went to the person's house, watched it on the VHS. And we're like, oh, this is crazy. Bones Malone's from the Source magazine is in it. Um, how do y'all remember? Y'all old enough to remember Bones Malone? 
I, I, okay. I do. No judgment. Blues does. Y'all know, bro. He was a, we considered him a prolific I was writer. hip to the fucking man. culture. You guys are old enough to remember. You guys I am just, old enough to remember. And you were just nerds. Sorry. You guys were playing violin. <laughs> you guys would come home after school and play violin and knit. <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, I was in the mean streets getting my cracks in. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so uh, they, they talked about Slam. Somebody was like, yo, there's a thing called the Rust Belt Regional Poetry Slam, which is the Midwest version of Southern Pride. Um, it's been around for a very long time. Uh, we went to check that out. So that got me to Dayton, which got me to meet Jim Dwyer, or Dayton Crew Bill Abbott, who was one of the members who started Southern Pride and actually wrote the, the uh, book for it a long time ago. Um, so he lived in Dayton, went to that. Uh, so, yeah, and it kind of just didn't like, oh, slam. So poetry contests are actually slammed. We didn't start it. We didn't, you know, we didn't Christopher Columbus and shit, but we did Christopher Columbus it because we thought we founded a thing and did not found a thing. Uh, so technically we did Christopher, which is funny. We're in Columbus and we Christopher Columbus slam. You just um, didn't kill anybody. That's all. Yeah. So, yeah, we did that. And then, uh, so the first poem I did, though, wasn't slam. The first poem I did was a typed up on a brother typewriter. Uh, I hate you. Go away. It's over. I miss you. When you going to call me, you know. Is this Drake poem. Marvin's room? <laughs> no, like like we break with someone, but it's that hard. Fuck, you don't call me again. Why haven't you called me yet? That kind of thing. Mm, That's please. stupid love breakup when you do. Um, it was so long it took me four weeks to read it. Um, typed up on a brother, t- electronic brother typewriter. It took me four weeks to read it. I got a standing ovation. That was my first introduction to poetry uh, because they were clapping because I was done, not because it was good. Um, I announced it that day. I said, "I'm doing this is part four of four and everybody literally stood up like, yes, yes, he's never coming back. Because like I said, when I get this done, y'all will never see me again. Um, and then I still came back. I came back the, the, the fifth week. I came back like it was church. That turned into the open mics, which turned into the contest, which turned into poetry slam. Uh, my first actual slam poem was probably, uh, I had stolen the, the pacing of Sonya's song from Slam, she does, uh, I'm against a brick wall as a Mack truck five inches from my face. Mm-hmm. Run now, baby, run free. Um, so I took that whole, back then I was just stealing. I was just stealing. I thought I was inspired. I was stealing. <laughs> um, I was inspired. Yeah. Yeah, take notes. When people, when you're young to say you're inspired, you're stealing. Because uh, you don't know any different. So I didn't just take her rhythm, which wouldn't be stealing, that'd be incorporated. But I took the whole idea of this panicked person describing how, you know, no atheist in a foxhole, the whole poem. I took the same idea. I wrote my words to it. But it was her. It was just a, a remix of her thing. I took a remix of uh, Bo Sia's I Want to Be a Star. But mine was I Want to Be a Black Star. <laughs> but it was the same, the same lines, you know, Hollywood, if you're looking for a black stereotype, I am that black stereotype. Right. Like, literally. Right. And then, so, like, a couple years later, end up becoming friends with him. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, it might have been this time once <laughs> in band camp where I ripped your shit really, really bad. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I remember, like, the first, like, I did the first piece I did was I stole Sonya's song. I, I never stole Saul stuff, which is funny. Uh, I never stole Saul stuff because I didn't understand it. I, I wasn't well read enough to even comprehend how to steal that shit. Because yeah. rhyming was one thing, but what he was like, this isn't rhyming. He's doing, he's combining stuff I don't grasp. Uh, stole Sonya's song style, stole both of his. Uh, I want to be uh, 
a, a star poem, top to bottom. Um, and then I met those people and was like, ooh, I can't do this poem in front of them. <laughs> it sounds dead on. Uh, and then, yeah, I started, after I started writing my own whatever, uh, probably the, the pursuit of happiness is actually how old that is. It's from that era. The we the guy, the homeless guy at the subway restaurant poem. Yeah. That's from Snaps and Taps. Oh, wow. That's a little. That's a little. I wrote that poem because the subway was a block away from Snaps and Taps. Did uh? So I literally sit there and write. Did uh? Did any any white guys in MAGA hats punch you and say that they hated gay people and put a noose around your neck at that subway? Jesse Smollett is what? What do we? Yeah, that's that's. A, <laughs> oh, I was like, what? I'll do it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you think you were going with that? I didn't. <laughs> it was a non sequitur segue. It was, it was, it was tub. a non sequitur segue. But I do want to go back real quick. It's like, speaking of anal sex, what? I didn't. What? No, what? <laughs> okay, I do want to go back for some of our younger listeners because we have demographics in the 18 to 24 range. That is an awesome segue for oh. anal sex. Speaking of anal sex, I can talk to some of our younger listeners. Whoa. Our younger professionals. Whoa, sir. Our young tenders out there. Like, whoa, whoa, Who's blocked this out? A typewriter, for those that don't know, it's basically an all-in-one computer printer. Is that wrong? That's an interesting. That is wrong because it can't take you anywhere. All it can do is type. Anything well, you type, okay. anything you type on it, it prints. Yes. So it's a keyboard and a printer combined. Keyboard printer. Okay, cool. All right, we'll take that. Right. It was something else well, I was going to say. Also for our younger, also, also for our younger listeners, if you would have just used your Google that you got, <laughs> you would have saw that the typewriter was, and you were like, oh. I'm glad I have this phone that I could Google with. Thank you so much, Jamal. Appreciate that. Boom, boom, boom. I got a, I got a writer question for you. So, so we just <laughs> good old point, Dexter. Bring it all back around. <laughs> the, the segues come fast around here. Um, <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna do it. You normally do it. I thought you were gonna do it. I was thinking of someone on a literal segue. <laughs> On a little fucking speedy segue. <laughs> She's like, God damn, that thing's fast. <laughs> I, I didn't even think about this. That's what she said. I thought of a person on the fastest fucking segue I could think of. Speeding like, God damn it. <laughs> and well, Ed, this is how we get off the rails. I told you about 27 minutes in. Right, right, shit's right, going right, to get right. worse. No, the time is good. My glasses get low. The time is good. <laughs> Um, so, so we just, we just went from like the beginning of your career and we kind of started at like where you are at now. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of writers might look at that and be like, man, I want to be, I want to be where Ed is. I want to be on the trajectory that Ed is, but you've been doing this for yeah. a long time and we haven't, like, we haven't talked about, is it four times or five times? I whips champion. So four times individual world poetry slam champion. The only person that's done that the first black male to win it. Um, and, and we'll talk all day about poetry accolades, right? But you also mentioned the uh, comedy awards and, and accolades that you've gotten so mm -hmm. far. And we're, and we're moving into the screenwriting. We're moving into opening up for the inauguration and becoming a speechwriter. So here's, here, here's the question. When we look at the longevity of your career, and, and you're a person who gets better every year, what oh, does it you. take? What does it take mindset-wise 
to, to, to rebrand, to reinvent, to do all the little things that need to be done to maintain relevancy over the span of the career you've had. And not just relevancy, to be on the top of that, um, of that food chain. That's a good question. Um, you guys suck. You <laughs> over there suck. Yeah, Just that's why he's here. Put your mics on mute. Yeah, like <laughs> that's why we got him in here. Yeah. yeah, Jay Ward, ask the good questions. We're in here for the shenanigans. Uh, he's in here for the gems. <laughs> the segways. <laughs> the segways. Yeah. Um, what's What's crazy about that question is it's a. I've been thinking about it for a while because I've been a couple of times, and it's a twofold thing, right? Where relevance is not something we should pursue. Oh, let's talk about that. And I, yeah, yeah. So I think it's something that we, it's a happy coincidence that happens if you're doing the work, right? Um, when you're focused on, when I, okay, when I was focused on, to make sure the term, when I was focused on popularity 20 years ago, again, biting other people's stuff. So I wanted the crowd to like me. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to get the laughs and the applause. Um, then I went to school well, do well, win, find things necessary. Um, I wasn't doing particularly well. Again, that's, that's all I said. I lost for a year. So I kept chasing the trend. What did Jay say last Wednesday? I'm going to say a version of that next Wednesday. Mm. And not, and then I wouldn't get why they didn't. We just liked it last Wednesday. Why don't you like it this Wednesday? I don't get it. Oh, this week they have blues. I'll do what blues did next week. I would keep doing that. And then Elder came to me and she's like, just do the work. Like, just, just write. Just read and write. Read and write. Like, there's no shortcut. You have to read and you have to write. Uh, and I've been applying that to everything I do. Uh, so everything's reading and writing. The, the success, if you want to call it that, uh, with huge air quotes around it, in terms of slam, has come from, one, not being afraid to be vulnerable on stage. That's it, as you know, like being willing to be emotionally uh, and spiritually vulnerable on stage, uh, willing to make a fool of myself, have an attitude of it's either going to be a zero or 10. I'm not interested in your sevens and 8.5 and 8.9. So I want a zero or I want a 10. Either it's I bomb and you disagree wholeheartedly and it's horrible, or it's just the one, one of the greatest things you've ever heard. Uh, no in between. Um, and then just doing the work. Uh, I'm finding more and more work now. I told someone the other day, if I don't come up with another, I don't care much about inspiration anymore. I care about the work ethic. Mm. Uh, where we're younger, we want inspire. I, I write when I'm inspired. We have that all the time in poetry, right? It's one of the laziest things in the world. Um, out here, you learn quickly. If you talk to anybody about screenwriting or acting, what do you do? Yeah, you know, I work on my screenplay when I'm inspired. They will literally quit talking to you. Like, they won't work with you anymore. Because they're like, no, it's writing. I get up every day and I have to write something. I have to. Not it's in my blood. It's no nigga, get up and write. Right. Like every day you have to write, you know, otherwise it's just a dope idea. It's not a good movie. And you complain about the good movie. Oh, that movie sucks. Yeah. But someone wrote it. Why you told your friends the dope idea you had, they wrote it and got the job done. Right. Um, same thing with poems. It became a matter of, I realized looking through my work, there's pieces I wrote 15, 16 years ago. I'm just now grasping how they really should have been written, mm. much less perform. So I'm like, oh, I should perform it this way. I should slam it this way. I've been doing it wrong for 12 years. Then I look at it on paper and go, oh, I could have, I could say this so much better now. Um, so I was like, if I never get another new idea, I'm good. I've got a hundred poems that I need to go back and fix. 
because I thought they were well because they won a slam. I thought they were good because they got applause. I thought they were good because no one booed me at the open mic. Right. So I thought they were good. My friend said they're cool. But then when I go, okay, well, when I look at the poems, I go, okay, take these 10 poems, uh, open up this book by Pablo Neruda, open up this book by Walt Whitman, open up this book by Mary Baraka. What 10 poems would you take out of this book and insert your 10 poems in? Where would your, where would your poems go in this collection? Take the, you know, every year, the National American Review of Poetry. Um, read the entire book. Which 10 poems would you take out of different authors and stick your shit in? Mm-hmm. And I go, eh, I don't, I don't, exactly, it didn't work. Um, and then the relevance comes by happenstance. The relevance comes because you keep doing authentic work. Uh, poetry, we, we lie to ourselves in terms of slam. Slam is not a young person's game, it's an old person's game. It's just if you get older, you get sick of everything else around the slam. <laughs> like right now, I'll do it like, I love the online idea. Cause I don't have to be bothered with people. Mm. You ain't got to do the talk, the sit in, the pay to get in, the sit there, the wait, the bar, the food, the chit chat, the bullshit, the sit outside, sit in the back, you're in the slam, stand outside, the seats are paying customers, the blah, 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 the band, the open mic. No, it's, so when does the Zoom start? Okay. <laughs> you log in and when it's your turn, click open, your camera comes up, you spit, click back off. <laughs> you know, you ain't got to experience the judges. Just you see that shit on a ticker tape, on a chat thing, 10, 10, 9, 9 whatever. <laughs> Done. That's beautiful because being older, I know what the poem needs now better. I listen to it better. You know what I'm saying, Jay? Like, I listen to the work better. Yeah. So it's all the other crap that's a problem, but we say, oh, well, slam's a young person's thing because, yeah, because all the shit that comes around it. That's like saying a nightclub. No, now that we're all older, the four of us could go to a nightclub and bring dates and have an amazing time on dates at a nice nightclub. I ain't going nowhere where I can't wear no uh, hard bottom Stacey Adams, though. (laughs) That's how old I am. If I see a nigga in line with sneakers on, if I see a nigga in line with sneakers on, I'm definitely either getting out of line or having him removed. (laughs) But I'm saying, like, if if we went to a club now, the four of us on dates would have a much better time than us at 21. Oh, yeah. In terms of if you subtract all the other things, you subtract the loudness, you subtract the noise, the fights, the over the overcrowding, we'd have a great time because, like, I can appreciate what this is. I'm not in a restaurant. Hey, girl, how you doing? Okay, sorry. Hey, girl, how you doing? Hey, the chicken wings and doing that same circle that you do around the club with sport and you keep walking back and forth, the same place, and it's the same thing. Now we're older, we go, nah, we're going to sit here, chill, have a drink, eat some food, get up, dance, move around a bit, sit down, and you're more chill with it. Um, same thing with Slam. It's like, okay, I know what's going on, all the other stuff, just as long as I don't hear a crazy rule, okay, then can we get started? Cool, let's get started. I'll be outside until we get started. So I'm ready to do this. I came here to do this thing so I can go to the other thing. Um, that's as far as far as the Slam goes. Uh, but thank you for the comment and the compliment. That means a lot coming from you. Um, but the writing is just... Uh, yeah, the work has been the writing, uh, being willing to take chances. There's still a lot I want to say. Um, I have a lot of questions I still want to ask. Um, there's still these 20 poetry forms I want to learn how to write. Um, I'm releasing my book before the end of this year, and it's literally a watershed book where I'm going to release it to write the book I want to write. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a book where I'm dropping every poem I've ever slammed with since I moved from Arizona to Charlotte. So it's about 168 poems. I was going to say it's a lot of poems. Because I, I remember showing up at a slam, <clears throat> and you would be at a desk writing. 
And I would come over and say, <laughs> I would come over and ask what you're doing. And you'd be like, oh, I'm just writing poems to slam with tonight. And I would, I would think you're joking. And then you would get up there and read these poems. <laughs> and <laughs> like, win. And win. Like one of, one of the most prolific writers uh, in general, but definitely in slam that I've met. We go back to that moment where we just fucking hate that guy in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Anderson. Man, God you know damn what? Tommy most Anderson. Of been, most of those times in Charlotte when that happened, it was because someone talked smack. <laughs> Jamal knows this half the time. Someone was, I would be chilling, minding my business. And then, like, somebody, that's true. other people whose names we ain't gonna save and take your podcast and be polite. Somebody, well, man, I'll call one person. I'll call out 2020 because Anthony can handle the jokes. So, 20 will come by. What you working on? Some little punk ass poems? Like, really? Okay, man, fuck your poems. I'm like, okay, I'll tell you what, let's have fun tonight. You pick the poem. What? I'm like, you can I'll take my poems out and stack them up. You pick the poems. You're like, all right, bet. Uh, this one, not this one, that. In this order, on paper. Like, <laughs> Okay, that's that's what you want. Then don't say nothing with what happens. And then those will be those were the times it was more fun, of course. Those were the times I would win, and they couldn't want to say nothing. Uh, Blues, you got to remember this. It was was it twenty or Fillmore who talked shit, and I said I won't lose for the next year. It might have been, 20. and I did not lose for a whole year. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Basically, I remember it was twenty or Fillmore. I think, I think Fillmore was joking, but twenty made a serious comment about it. it I would have felt like it was twenty because twenty. You know, 20 comes from that hip-hop, I want to battle yeah, culture. Yeah. So I feel like he would say, you basically, <laughs> you basically Michael Jordan them. And I took that shit personal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, I was like, so, okay. I said, I'll, I'll, every time I saw it for a year, I'm not losing. I don't care what goes on, I'm not losing for a year. And then uh, Phil was the one who brought it up at the anniversary of that year. Um, yeah, I mean, that was just, that was just more fun stuff, right? And all that stuff, man. That was, those were the fun days. You, you, you dropped a gem on on the way on the way through this that I don't want to I don't want to skip over. You you said I want a zero or a ten. I'm not mm-hmm. interested in what's in the middle, but but talk to us about what that because because to me what that means is the foot should always be on the gas pedal if you're writing. Because I I always mm-hmm. I always feel like <clears throat> the line between corny and dope is super thin. Like I, mm-hmm. I feel like if, if you're trying to write something that's extremely dope, that means you're taking chances, which means it's a chance is completely whack. So oh, yeah. tell us as a writer what it means. Zero or a ten. That's what I want. What, what does that mm-hmm. mean when you're writing the poem or you're writing the comedy sketch or whatever? Um, it means that one, it means exactly what you said, taking a chance, uh, editing the bejesus out of stuff, killing all your darlings, uh, making sure it's what the poem wants to say, not what you want to say. Uh, the easiest thing I've learned is, and I don't know who taught it to me. I think someone taught it to me at a haiku workshop where they said for a traditional Japanese haiku, each line must stand on its own, uh, but also feed into the other line. And a senru, which is what we do in America, is more open. But the idea was, does the next line feed into the one previous, build up for the one after, but also stand on its own accord? Um, and I was like, if you had to stick to that model, you'd never write anything. Like, how how the hell do you write? Right. Where you go, okay, so line one, in the beginning, was heaven and the earth. And literally, a person like, yeah, like, look at the Bible. If you if you read Genesis, that whole creation element, fix that description. In the beginning of heaven, and everything builds up. It goes down on its own. It reinforces the previous, but also introduces each ready the segues for the next thing. Um, and then the writing attitude became that is, Everything should be building up. So 
Uh, that's why I, I was against, I've always been against the bars concept as it pertains to poetry and poetry slam. Because if something stands out so evident for everyone, then that means it's actually something that should be taken out because it's not serving the poem, it's serving the poet. Mm. Uh, so it's dope for the ooh and ah element. But if you do your job right, it should be one consistently smooth story. And then by the end of the story, the person goes, oh, wow. You know, um, you eat a meal because it's a very good meal. And the elements of the things you eat in a certain order give you a certain sensation and chemical reactions, right? But if you go, oh, this mac and cheese is slamming. Okay, then the chef didn't do their job because now you're caring about the other items less. Um, so the biggest thing is just the constant building up of the, of the momentum. Um, not being afraid to, to, to lose your reader, I guess. Um, having more faith. We learned that in writing workshops together. Having faith in the work and having faith in the reader that they'll do what you're trying to say. So don't always hold their hand. Um, sometimes it's cool to let them fumble around in the dark. Um, also, the biggest thing was just remembering that in the course of slam, uh, the page is what matters. Slam is slam is vapor. Uh, so make sure all these poems will still work on paper. Otherwise, you go, yo, I've been slamming for 20 years. Cool. Can you drop a book? I don't think so. <laughs> Why? Because most like, no, this shit doesn't like this shit on paper. is just good. Um, I didn't want that. I got those books. Every one of you don't can't admit on your podcast. Someone's handed you or wanted to trade with you one of those chat books. Like, yo, can I make a trade? And you're like, I heard your shit. I don't think I want to read your shit because I didn't want to listen to your shit. You know? Um, yeah, man. So that, that's it. That's that's the, the, it's just the word. I'm trying to think of like a more eloquent way to say it. You know, but it's, it comes Spit down that to that like, shit raw, son. <laughs> Spit that shit raw. Uh, the zero to 10 idea is being willing to make that mistake on page and be misunderstood, on stage and be misunderstood. Uh, that doesn't equal offending somebody, of course, like something that's, you know, PC or whatever. But be willing to take that chance and say, well, here's what I'm trying to say. And if I don't get it right, I can always go back and fix it. Um, which also means you're just thinking more about the page and the stage. And, and then go back and try to, you know, try to fix it, uh, hone it or perfect it. Because all your poems, they never finish. You just stop fucking with this. You know? All right. All right, similar question, yeah. but maybe shorter. Sorry. All right, so you talked about the 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 strive that you have to preserve, uh, the strive that you have to archive, and I, and I think this feeds into your comment just now about slam being vapor. Um, but what you're doing is attempting to catalog the great writers of our time who were spoken word artists and slam artists who otherwise aren't archived. Mm. And I think again. Uh, people are looking at that and, and you said something else earlier too about your desire to um, to uphold blackness and to and to you know talk about it in a way that is worthy of it and I think people could also look at you and say well man when I get a kind of platform that Ed has that's what I'm going to do talk about how important it is to have that mindset before you get that platform or even if you never do Oh yeah, because um, you know that platform's not guaranteed, right? We all learned that. Like, blues was blues before the Charlotte Hornets, before uh, the uh, Carolina Panthers, Panthers, um, before NASCAR, and then that's what got him in those doors. He didn't change. He didn't code switch to get in the door. 
he was that person. They said, we like that authenticity. We like what he said. We trust that he'll say, we trust that he'll say what we need him to say his way, but still fit our needs. Because there's no way NASCAR should have him write anything. Like, with all due respect to Blues, like, he's aware of that. Like, there's no way with what NASCAR represented in America. How, how many years ago did you first write for NASCAR? I was your, two, first, your first writing, eight years ago? That was 2006 through 2009. Cornrow. Okay, corn, I was close to so 10 years. Era. Yeah, yeah so a decade ago. A decade ago, NASCAR? How many black drivers did they have? Psst, zero and a lot of confusion. Right. But you have a black writer and a black person doing voice work mm. with locks. Yeah. The six two six three. It's just at, as soon as he walked in the door. Excuse me, sir. He did not have locks then. He had cornrows. He had Kawhi Leonard straight back cornrows. Did ever disrespect my, yeah, my yeah, cornrows again. <laughs> yeah, Kawhi fucking. It's technically speaking, we call it a we call it a lock starter kit. What happens is you have you dating a woman yeah, and she cornrows your hair and you piss her off and she don't do it no more and you ain't got nobody to do it so you don't take them down because you don't want to look bad but you also can't get them redone until you kiss her ass and make up to her so you got that frizzy look and then by the time you go make up to her she's like oh yeah it's locked now. that's so, the perfect description of Kawhi Leonard that I've heard yeah you're 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 forty percent right uh, my hairdresser moved to Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I'm not letting anybody else touch my hair. Because this is at a point in time where my hair was long as shit, and I would press it, and my shit would be long. Like, I was in love with my hair. I was very vain. Did you, did you say press your hair? He did. Snoop Dogg levels press my fucking hair. My shit was I have to see luxurious. Luxurious. Okay, $100 we need photos. If I, yo, if I find photos, your motherfuckers better pay up. Like, my shit was great. First of all, Ed asked you, not motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I, will, I, I gotta get that. paid. I will make that the next cover. My pressed my hair, shirt. my pressed hair said, "Take advantage of the situation, baby." All these niggas gotta pay. <laughs> Hawaiian silky be popping. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sorry for losing question. Um, the platform is decide what's important to you, because um, I mean, slam in terms of the accolades and what you receive is paper. The actual competition is paper. Right, it's the camaraderie, the friendships, and the lives. Uh, same thing with open mics, features, tours, uh, books, etc. So, it's what matters to you. Why are you writing? Um, and as soon as you can decide why you're writing, and start pushing that message, agenda, whatever the case may be, and it doesn't have to be an intentional thing. Uh, Talam Acey made a point. We had a talk <coughs> he and I years ago about why he never really hit the college market hard, or why he didn't pursue, the, for lack of better term, the white dollar. And he said, I figured if I keep doing what I'm doing, they'll come to me. Yeah, I remember that conversation. Yeah. Like no matter like no matter how black I sound and some people, oh, you're anti-white. No, I'm pro-black. Mm. And I'm performing in black venues. And I'm finding the black venue in town. If we have a coffee house over here, I'll be over here if you want to see me tonight. And he did that for years. And then next thing you know, they start, hey, so this is Coca-Cola. Hey, this is so-and-so. This is so-and-so. We have more money. Would you now? Oh, yeah, I'll come and talk to you now. And you're still gonna come over here and do it. Um, and I was like, wow, that's that was but again, that was who he was as a person, not a businessman, not even a poet. As a person, he was pro-black. Mm-hmm. So he had that in his mindset. You know, I mean the man's got Harry Tubman tattooed on his body. Like, oh, don't get much blacker than that. Right. Uh, so that was his mindset. So uh, what I would say to anyone doing it is 
yeah, don't pursue a platform. Decide what's important to you and just keep speaking on that thing. You know, black lives were important to me before the hashtag. Uh, activism was important to me before the movement. Uh, I come from generations of people who have to deal with that. I come from a mother who was not allowed to walk next to her mother because her mother was white passing. So in Dayton, Ohio, she walked three steps behind her own mother. She could not hold her mother's hand growing up. Uh, my grandfather could not walk next to his wife. He walked three steps in front or three steps behind and kept his eye on the window panes of the storefronts they walked past to make sure she was okay. Because we walked next to her, somebody's getting murdered and somebody's getting raped. And this isn't a long, long time ago. These are my grandparents. Um, so to speak on those things, it's just like, I got to speak on those things, you know, um, whatever that platform is, uh, then you just do that. The jury, the way it changed, and if I was selling cufflinks, y'all know that the first thing I had was men's cufflinks. So everybody started also, the men started dressing nice to go to poetry shows and tour instead of wearing whatever, which became ironic because I quit wearing my tux and only wore puma sweatpants like immediately after I started selling cufflinks. Hypocritical as hell. Um, but I started selling the jury and I didn't get the why part till maybe about a year ago. And someone mentioned, someone took a photo of something they bought of mine at the first place I ever sold something at four years prior. And I was like, wow, that or three years prior. I was like, wow, that's really dope. I was like, oh, so there's, I'm selling products focusing on black women, though I sell anybody, but my focus is black women. And it's for the betterment, empowerment, accessorization, and enhancement of beauty of black women. So I'm helping them in some small, very, very superficial way, feel better about themselves, feel nicer about themselves, throw something on, but I look at this necklace, I'm rocking, whatever. And in turn, I'm being fed off that, literally, right? So then it became an intentional thing. Uh, the freestyle album is coming out next month. Uh, the all of you are part of, matter of fact, free plug right there, Black Pro Sessions. The Nothing in the World Compares to a Black Woman. That's where that came from. That's where the freestyle came from. Like, how can I not have ever had something like this on an album? So do it. Let everybody talk about it and then let, bring in black women, let them sing and create the hook for it. And the video is going to be just black women doing whatever the fuck they do because they do plenty of time to do anything. You know, yada, yada, yada. Um, so, and it still ties back to the writing is what you're saying as far as the platform is just decide what's important to you. And it doesn't mean you have to beat over someone's head. It's just important. It could be, it could be cartoons. You know, it could be, yo, I love anime. Then do poems about anime and write about anime and show us the beauty in it um, and make us see your world. That's a big thing I was make us see your world, but don't worry about creating your platform. Worry about doing the right job by writing things the right way. Mm. Everything else follows. If Blues doesn't do his uh, Joseph poem the right way, if he doesn't do some of his funnier poems the right way, uh, the little stalker piece, the food piece they had, like we don't know what piece he did that made NASCAR go, oh, and then ESPN go, shoot. And then the Panthers go, yes. You know what I'm saying? Um, do you remember what poem you did? Remember the thing we did for Cam Newton's charity? Out of the out of the white water thing? I don't. I no, it was it was uh it was I something about, why. I think it was about something about education or something. Yeah, but we were both there. Same thing. It's like so well, what poem got us there? I have no idea. I think I got there because of you. And it doesn't matter because you got there. I mean it matters, but it doesn't matter. 
right. what I'm saying. So it wasn't like a yo, Cam Newton's got this foundation. It's like they got a million dollars looking to spend in charity. Let's go make these dollars, Blues. Someone contacted Blues like, hey, we heard from someone who heard from someone that you're a good person, right? And then so we want to if we're going to talk writing, then you're apparently the writer in our circle. So right, you know. Uh, same thing, like the Freedom Awards that came from doing the poetry stuff and doing workshops. And they go, oh, well, you're a good person and you're a good writer. So come over here. And then that platform was created for me. Right. So I think all of us, you guys included. I remember this is the idea of Jamal's before I left to move to Los Angeles, the podcast. So it was an idea that we wanted to do as a duo. And now they're like, well, dog, I'm moving. So I hope to let you down and say, I can't do this. I hope. I let you down. I hope I disappoint you. If I'm down to do it, then there's a problem. Next thing you know, I'm seeing y'all are doing it. And I was like, oh, that's beautiful. So the the idea and the desire and the discipline for it created the platform. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's it. And that was and that was before COVID. So now he said, yo, we're gonna be half time to sit around. Let's just make a podcast, y'all. This is like a year and a half, almost two years in your head. Yep. You know? Yep. So I got one more question before we I think we're close to ending. Um, this is definitely like different, I guess. Uh, you and I worked on a poem about Michael Jackson and Prince, and with all this, <laughs> with all this versus stuff going on, in a world of Michael Jackson versus Prince, who do you take? Oh, that's not fair, bro. No, you talk about like the, the actual Swiss Beats Timberland verses, and they, yep. that someone's gonna play them back yep. and forth. I love and everything, and and I'll keep it simple. <laughs> So, so Prince doesn't overrun Michael Jackson. Strictly songs that they sang, not what they've written, just the songs that they've that they that they've made. Oh, I'm taking Mike all day, bro. Okay, okay, I'm taking Mike all day. Prince is the more people always try to compare them, and they're apples to oranges. You can't compare the two. Prince is the more prolific. Prince is Mozart. Prince is as a child, I was doing wonderful shit. Prince is I pick up instrument, I learn it, I play it. Uh, Prince had a mindset for this global domination of Paisley Park thing. Michael actually stems from a different era. When Prince was fucking around in his daddy's basement, Michael was putting in work. And people don't understand that, right? Like Michael is Michael's a direct descendant of Sammy Davis Jr. and James Brown and Little Richard. Like Prince idolized Little Richard and James Brown. Mike is a descendant of them. Mm. That's two. That's two different conversations. You know what I'm saying, like, like Mike was living that life, dog. Plus, Prince did a lot of dope stuff, and and probably has another two hundred songs we ain't heard that somebody's fighting over right now in his family that own the rights to and release that shit. Like the Shaka Khan album that he did, supposed to be getting dropped pretty soon. I heard because uh, she somehow has wrangled the rights to it or something so she can get it. But Michael was there for us at those pivotal moments, depending on your age. His albums drop and those songs drop at certain moments of your life. Mm. I can only say that about Prince for the Purple Rain album. Everything else of his work was, I like this album, I fucks with these songs. Yeah. Oh, an off the wall hit? Couldn't tell no black child shit in America. Off the wall? I wasn't couldn't tell no black child. She's out of my life. Nigga, I remember singing She's Out of My Life and I never had a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> You know somebody doing their job right when you singing a song about she gone and you ain't had your first kiss, you ain't had your first handhold. All I had at that point was a lunchbox smacked against my head. Right, right. 
that was, I hadn't even passed a note in class yet. And I was like, she's out of my life. And this is cursed pride. I know what pride was. You know what I'm saying? Like, want to be starting something. Uh, the whole song about New York. Billy Jean. Mm. Come on, man. Like, stealing, uh, stealing the gloves from church. The white usher gloves. <laughs> and then putting putting rhinestones on them. Making gl- uh, glittery. Getting glue and then putting, like, and then taking, uh, I stole that. And then I tore, I went to the mall, went past this dress, the sequin dress, and I tore a sleeve off of it and put that shit in my drawers as a kid and got home and then put the sequins on that Usher glove. There's a detective somewhere on a cold case. <laughs> yes. That's what happened. Oh, nah, bro. I got it. One time I tried to shoplift the Sears of all the places, the guy who caught me was in charge, the chief of their security, uh, went to our church. That's what, that's what saved me from going to jail. And that's when Ed realized that being a criminal was not in his future. <laughs> Actually, oh, uh, I stole shit for years after that, homie. I was a beast with it. He actually, he actually just made me want revenge. I said, "Oh, so what you're saying is, like, again, this is I got the wrong message, and you're too smart." I said, "What you're saying is, I need to study my environment better." <laughs> oh. So Ed, I don't rob and don't shop in Sears. So Ed oh, nigga, makes, I was uh, still in. So so you're making black people look bad is what you're, you're saying. No, he's saying there's an art in stealing. Making oh, black bro. people look bad. I made stores change their security protocol because of me. I am not really bullshit. I can do you a step further. Hey, AMC hey, Concord stop, stop. changed how they take tickets because of me. Stop. No, I confess to it because I don't live there no more. Because because Biden's gonna win, I don't you need to. I don't need you to fuck this up for us. Exactly. Not even. It's not even about you, nigga. It's about us and the exclusive interview of Ed Mabry, poet laureate of the United States. After now we get it. Now let's get in it. We get it. So no. When you mix the cocaine, right? Ah oh, shit. shit. Yeah. Oh, that's a wrap. That was in that first career. Right? <laughs> yeah, well there, and I just saw all of our Ukraine numbers just dip <laughs> below 1%. <laughs> Negative one, negative one percent, and there's a phone falling. I play, I play the long UK, Ukraine game with our numbers here. I feel like we lost that percent a long time ago. Do you? I think, I think there's that one guy holding on for a poem, like they will give me poem. Oh, y'all are serious? Y'all actually got, a, y'all got a follower in the Ukraine? Yeah, we do. Yeah, at we least one percent of weird, our listeners. Bro. We're trying to hold on to that motherfucker. We don't know who he or she is. Well, he's probably a yo. Dude. I've We're got a fan base in here. Russia. Pretty dude heavy. Say what? I, li- I literally no. I have a fan base in Russia, and it's very weird to say that. Oh shit! Wow. This is our like not like one base. or two people. Like I have, I received PayPal, you know, CD Baby PayPal notification. I'm like, who the hell is buying my album? Like, oh, you made ten sales. Like, Whoa. I didn't talk about it on CD Baby when and we, go to check, and it was all Russia. When we get um, ready to drop this, we need you to put this shit out to all of all Russia. your Russia. Yeah, all of we need to get Russia on our list. We need Moscow, nigga. I wonder if the those Kremlin. are expatriates or if they're actually like, like Natalia Romanovsky. <laughs> I mean, no, I've, I've actually hit some people up and found it was sure because I was curious. Because uh, back when I was doing Blackbird Airlines, um, dope album. Thank you. Um, the artwork I did for the posters, I hired somebody on Fiverr. She lives in Russia. The person who did the posters for it is from Russia. Um, and I was like. Maybe she knew somebody or whatever, whatever. And I asked a couple people, like, hey, think about a CD. I'd like to see another CD. You just tell me how you heard about this one. 
they're like, oh, we Google Poetry. I had done a, um, not Bizarre, but Baca, Baraka. Anyway, I'm, I'm murdering the name of it. There's an international magazine owned by Condé Nast. Like one of the biggest magazine conglomerates, say GQ magazine, by Condé Nast too. So they did a six poets you need to know around the world. And I don't know how they came up with it, but the person who did the article picked me to represent America. Hmm. So it was one person per, damn near per continent kind of shit, right? Per country continent. So it was, it was only like six people. So for America, they're like, you know, Ed, you know, Ed Mabry, Ed Mabry's work. Because um, they got my, like, you're my birth mom, which is funny. Um, and that's what it was. So globally, whoever reads this damn magazine, uh, it's based out of somewhere like Turkey area. And a lot of people peeped it out from there. And they like started jumping and checking my stuff out. We were like, yo, you should come. And I was like, come where? Like Finland. I'm like, what? Yeah, come to Czechoslovakia, now known as da da da. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm doing that shit. But yeah, so like the Russians, real. That's crazy. You guys have somebody from Ukraine that's actually like a listener from Ukraine. Let's just see what the blacks are doing now. We got a, we got a lot of in, international listeners. Just to throw that out there. Um, Ask him the question, bro. <laughs> so, Ed. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to promote? I know it's a setup. <laughs> it's not a setup. It's not a setup, man. It's blues is a, like, because those times blues question. is not small for the whole thing. Uh, no, I mean, I have a book coming out. I mean, just, yeah, just follow everything in my name. So the best thing to do is just follow me on Instagram. Because my, my websites are getting rebuilt. Uh, the normal press is getting rebuilt. 4921 um, is about to go live uh, next month. Is that online sales about to go live? Right. Uh, my T-shirts actually I just uh, formed a company here in California, uh, so it's all legit on paper, uh, on above the table instead of under the table. I'll start doing things the legal way because taxes are no joke. Um, yes, yeah, so not everything. Everything is just going to follow. Use my name. Uh, whoever this is podcast later, please follow these three gentlemen and support anything they do. Um, they're not, all not anything. Blues murders <clears throat> people sometimes, so. Really? Only, only on the microphone. <laughs> uh, with sign game. Sorry. Um, yo, anyone listening to this later on, any fans of, of blues, uh, show your love to him. Uh, find an address. Get an email address. A physical address if you can. Physical address, email yes. address. And email uh, and make sure it's attention blues for the podcast. And send him pictures of Skechers. You wearing Skechers, uh, the shoebox, the shoes, anything involving Skechers. Uh, just send him as many pictures as you can of Skechers. Uh, the more, the better. He loves Skechers shoes. Preferably um, Beyonce wearing Skechers. That would be the ultimate. If you could get Beyonce in some Skechers. First of all. Singing, if you like it, should have put a ring on it. I will. And send that video to Blues. Only, only pictures I will accept are Joe Montana wearing the Shape Up Skechers. <laughs> Does anybody remember when Joe Montana yeah. was selling the Shape Ups? Yes. So if y'all want to fuck around, send me Shape Ups. If you can find a pair of Shape Ups, size 13s, I will wear them shits. <laughs> oh, shit. Do y'all remember Shape Ups? Yes. That's a whole yes. other podcast. That's a, that's a whole podcast. Yeah. It is. For anyone yeah. listening to this later on, Blues hates Skechers with a passion. Just It's just beneath his... his uh, abhorrence for, for beyond all things beyond. But yeah, he can't he can't stand sketches. But still, send him pictures of sketches. But everything <laughs> is my name. It's just Ed Mabry. It's easy to find. E D M A B R E Y. My Instagram is probably the best thing because, uh, yeah, I think it's time to probably 
settle down in the next year or so. So Facebook needs to get murdered. So I'm going to shut down my Facebook pages and just focus on uh, real life, not cyber life. All right. Uh, yeah. So my next question is, are you ready to freestyle? Sure. I said, who, oh, wait, who's doing it with me? Everybody. Everybody. We, we're oh, all freestyling. Yeah. Okay, yes. I do not go first. No, 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 no. You no, don't. No. You do not all go right. first. You're in the three hole. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the face. I wish we could <laughs> screenshot it. It's right now because that's exactly what that shit was. The three hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not only are you going in the three hole, you were in it. You are in the three hole. Like, why? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want to be there. I, I didn't want to be there. I did not. I did not give my consent to be in this three hole at all whatsoever. Also, just want to throw this out there to everybody that I think I need glasses. Oh well, it's about. I'm that pretty time. sure you do because yeah, you can't see shit right now. I know so I need glasses. You're not. <laughs> he, but first of all, it's funny because he's looking at the camera. He's looking at the video and saying, "Yeah, you can't see shit." Because when he keeps looking at the microphone, he's like, <laughs> and then going back and you're like, "No, I was, I was too close, too far, too close, too far." <laughs> so what's happening is he's gonna get a beat, and uh, I start off. And then I toss it off to Young Ward, mm-hmm. and then you do what you do, and then Jamal Jamal bats cleanup. I'm the cleanup. Four hole. Yes, four hole finishes it up. Four hole. That's it. Uh, and I had a beat, and I don't remember where it where it is. Do you need to stand up and go real close to the computer? I do. Oh God. <laughs> Nigga, if you get up and go look at that computer, you I will roast you for the rest of the fucking year. Oh, this is some bullshit. While he's trying to find it, I'll say this also to you listening. Uh, please follow these three gentlemen and check out their work. Uh, during the course of their podcast, they're going to be very unselfish and not discuss themselves, but they all do tremendous writing. Uh, blues is prolific in, in, in many ways I wish I could be. Uh, same for Mr. Ward. Uh, very prolific writers. Uh, Jamal's prolific writer and has about six, seven, I think he makes beats, music, tracks, plays piano, drums, a bunch of other stuff. Um, makes his own beer. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, please follow them, check them out, uh, support them in uh, any way possible, financially or uh, through word of mouth and network. Uh, but make sure you take care of them. Appreciate, Appreciate that, man. Yeah. And arrest the police that killed Brianna Taylor. <laughs> yes. 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 Twice. Arrest them twice. Uh, okay. Or fight them hoes when you see them. All right. That dog. Can we just stomp? Can we change the policy to stomp outs? Right. Ooh. Yes. Damn it. I, okay. I can't remember the name of the beat. So I'm just going to choose one. It just surprise us. And good luck to everybody involved. This <laughs> <laughs> is our, our version of Five Fingers of Death. <laughs> good, good, luck, guys. good luck, motherfuckers. Uh, Bro, you just say you're gonna pick. So one. you're so oh. you're so blind that you can't just pick a random one. No, I That's found it. Okay, I found. Wait. Okay, so before I do this beat, I just want to say, "Fuck you guys, <laughs> <laughs> all of you guys." What do we do? What do we do? For I don't know. I don't know what you did, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> you sound like an old man right now. First I'm of saying, all, fuck all y'all. Glass pop pop. <laughs> All right, so here's the beat. Let's go. 
<laughs> I I hope it's long enough. <laughs> oh yeah, getting so busy. Oh word! Turn me up, son. This is this is different. Did you do this? No, this is uh, my homeboy S. Dot Carter. Okay, oh S. shit! Okay, that's that. That's a homie. This could be for us. All right, this beat, this beat, beat by S. Dot. Shit. Listen, this beat by S. Dot. I got a few beats by S. Dot, and we got a lot of hits. Y'all should hear them shits. Yo, even Jojo Mandalorian's on them shits You might know him as Big Trill I keep it real, I keep it ill like Corona I guarantee yo, I like my girl thick like Lawona Oh, excuse me, Malona, yeah Penny mama, I guarantee I give it to your mama Yeah, I give it to Obama's baby mama Michelle, I see you, oh hell I hope you don't hear that Cause he'll send them niggas to my house where I live at <laughs> He like, yo, keep my wife name out your mouth <laughs> I pass it off the wall. I pass it off the wall. Hey. I pass it off the wall. Let's go. Yo, they said, can you rock? I said, maybe. They said, who's the one of the best writers at Maybury? Yeah. That's the guy I got. Nah, I'm coming back on the mic and keep it hot. I keep it violent. Here I it slit goes. your throat. Here it goes. With every note. Do it just like that. <laughs> like I'm cutting dope in the kitchen. <laughs> yo. Yo, seriously, seriously, son. Seriously, son. Yeah, you wanna hijack the mic? That's a mic jack. And you won't find the prince when I fight back. Oh, yeah, you see the call back? Yeah, that's what I do. When I put you on your back and pull the strap out, nine <laughs> millimeter busting. <laughs> it just gets so violent. It is violent. It just it's gets so extremely <laughs> violent. Like, yo, I had to stop the beat because I kind of fear for my life right now in my own house. It's every time it starts off really great. Then it just gets all fucking Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> it just gets I was going to take one of them bottles and just smash it off the edge of the table and just start cutting cats like, ah. Oh, God. Like, oh, my God, this is a, this is a snuff podcast. It's a new thing. Shit. We shoot niggas. Oh, God. All right. Are we... Are we are we good, Jay Ward? <laughs> We're good, sir. <laughs> All right. And you're Once again, up. This podcast is brought to you by Old Tub. Old Tub. <laughs> Old Tub. And you're up. <laughs> All right. Whenever you're ready. All right. Brought to you by Old Tub. That's where the bodies be, that's where the hotties be. It's where the shotties be. Kind of like Jay Ward, shooting full of J's. Steph Curry days, sitting back with school, get it? The days like Spike Lee, the E's like Easy Lee, resting RIP. Now speaking of Easy E, the name I used to have on the 30 degrees, the LPs, the mix that. I can't hear the music at all. I guess it's bad feedback. Something about to hear that. I can't hear that. You can't hear that. But I still hear myself spitting with no rhythm underneath me. So forgive me if like Andre 3, thousand I go off me. I still assume it's halfway sweet. Like the S to the O to the A to the P. Like the soap on the t-shirt. Like the 704 represent. Like the Sandlot white boys. Like the boys who play with toys. Like the post on the artwork in the back of Molly's crib. 
seen Cowan like JC, but he's still JC, but not JC. We all sitting here like we used to be JVs. Juvenile getting out of JC back when we was kids. Tim Poet all day long. We live in Poets and God for that. That's another shirt to the right side. That's Jay on the white side. Also on the black side. The old tub make you act ignorant. Not to mention that early times. Early times make you late now. Glaucoma can't see right. Kids back on the sand lot, the beats by Dre headphones, courtesy of the sponsors, and the NASCAR from the Dre Dome. Hey yo, you don't really have to say this, but I'ma say this to make sure that you always understand poets on the top of the playlist. We number one with a bullet, arrest the cops to shop around the tailor. That's otherwise we're gonna wind up that we need a tailor. Cause one of these niggas on the rest, one of these niggas on the podcast are gonna come back with a tailor. In other words, we're gonna stitch and sew, cutting the last like it was echo. I'm sorry, could you hear that? A little bit of reverb because we echo. I guess maybe I should let the beat go and let Jamal do his thing, yo. Yo, first oh. of all, first of all, not only were you on the beat, but the beat stopped about 20 seconds ago, son. It did. Hold on. And it sounded super dramatic. It sounded like the beat dropped on purpose. For those out there in the in the in our podcast world, if you are a fashion a fashionista, then you caught the echo cut and stitch. Like if you know what that shit is, then you know this motherfucker knows his fashion. I have three shirts and a pair of shoes by Echo that were cut and stitch. Like my shit. That shit was great. That, that shit, when yeah. I was a two, I had a dress slacks from them, and people I used to be so proud because you didn't know they were like people didn't know they made dress slacks. I just wanted to join someone tour with an unfinished him, and they were silk lined to the damn knees, like old school suits. Yeah, so great. Anyway, I guess. Well, I Man, guess thanks, uh, Jamal, you gonna, you gonna, I guess it's going. my turn. It is your turn. Jamal turns yeah, it out at the end. <clears throat> this is some bullshit. You got this, bro. Yeah, man. I don't. Tighten up the strap. Put a bullet in the back. This is some bullshit. Yeah. We from North Kakalak. Do it dirty. Um. All right. Fucking fuck. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, here we go. It goes money, cash, hoes, drug lyric flows. Lord knows. Fuck! <laughs> this is some bullshit. <laughs> Wait, okay, okay, I got it. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got it, I got it, I got it, okay? Okay. All right. It goes money, cash, holes, drug lyric flows. Lord knows I'm trying to get some fuck. <laughs> Fucking fuck. These first motherfuckers. Of, first of all, I feel like if you had finished that rhyme, there was going to be a problem. Hell to pay. <laughs> no, no. This is, I there, have there a real. Only, there was only one logical rhyme to that. <laughs> it goes this life, that life, real life, trap life. Hey. Fuck. <laughs> Fucking jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right, so uh, we'll end it like this. Shout out to our listeners in Ireland, hey. Ireland, Germany, Germany, Gutentag, uh, Australia, G'day, Marty, the Ukraine, whatever you say over there, Canada, <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand, <laughs> the United States of America. What up, though? And uh, Black Lives Matter. Right. And uh, please make sure y'all rate, review, and share us. Because, oh, and give us five stars. Because in the words of Bomani Jones, 
if you give us four stars, we're, yeah. we're, we're inclined to think that you're haters. Hater ass. So, and we're out. Appreciate y'all. Yeah. And follow Ed. Oh, yeah. And follow Ed at Ed Mabry. M-A-B-R-E-Y. And as soon as I find a way to stop the fucking beat. <laughs> what if I just threw everybody <laughs> off and was like M-A-Y-B-E-R-R-Y. I don't know where. <laughs> All of a sudden, Black Shockers, Black Shockers social media cloud just pew. <laughs> what happened? I don't know what's happening. Oh, I do know what's happening. All right. So most of this is going to get cut. But <laughs> make sure you follow Ed Mabry. This is what happened on the podcast on Friday. Show. You have to keep, this is what makes your show. You have to keep all this. You can kill half of the, the great answers I might have given if you keep all this part. This is your show. Follow Ed Mabry at Ed Mabry, M-A-B-R-E-Y, on Here's Twitter on IG. and IG. Follow us at The Poet Up Podcast. On IG, Twitter, and Facebook, we don't shout out tweet to Old much. Tub, shout out to Early Times, and shout out to Gentleman Jack and producers out there who have beats. Send us beats. Send us beats. Yes. And craft Please. beer makers, send us beer. We'll drink that shit and, and tell you about your shit. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Oh. And all of my Russian friends. <laughs> this is Ed Mabry's podcast. Love him. <laughs> yes. Tell all your other Russian friends to follow. There is a price on his head. <laughs> to follow. To follow we'll him. Again. <laughs> or I make you eat the borscht. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Ed, I'm for sure being. We lost our Ukraine beast. <laughs> <laughs> that son of a bitch is gone. <laughs> Fuck this. <laughs> Wait, the Ukraine crane viewer was like, man, fuck these niggas. <laughs> he said it just like that. Not one fucking poem out of nine episodes. Fuck this shit. I'm out. I'm out. Oh, man. Thanks, Ed, again. Thank, Thank everybody. Y'all, man. Yeah, man. We're going to holler at y'all. Pull it up, pull it up.